Hello, I am the host of Shifting Culture, Joshua Johnson. I just want to come on before the episode and tell you all thank you for listening. Did you know that big things are coming for Shifting Culture and you can be a part of it? We have just launched a Patreon. When you become a monthly patron to the show, you will get our episode ad-free, get early access to episodes, be able to download episode guides, and get bonus shows. Go to patreon.com slash shifting culture to support all that we are doing. Your support means that we can continue to help the body of Christ look more like Jesus. Again, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture. Thank you so much. Now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast, in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact or donate. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to hit the follow button and to get notified when new episodes hit and go give a rating or review of this show. It helps us find new listeners. So thank you very much. Previous guests on the show have included Jessica Schrock Ringenberg, Peyton Jones, and Noah Kay. You could go back and listen to those episodes and more. But today's guest is Talisi Guerra. Talisi is a Christian communicator who is passionate about infusing Jesus into her everyday life and empowering others to do the same. She is the author of Joy Like a Mountain and the Seven Day Joy Challenge. We have a great conversation around what it looks like to pursue joy, cultivate joy in the lives of children, and becoming more like Jesus. Enjoy the conversation. Talisi, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good. You know, I, I just want to start here with a, a just a brief snippet of my story. Just five years ago, when I moved from the Middle East back to North America, one of the big surprises to me was how evident uh, the, mel- the mental health crisis was. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was depression, anxiety that was very rampant that was not present in the Middle East as much as it was in North America. And I know that you have uh, you struggled before with anorexia, with depression, uh, and you've walked that journey through to get to a place uh, of joy, to get to a place that you found something different. Um, for you, how did that journey, uh, what was that journey like for you? Um, and can you just start to share your story a little bit uh, as we jump on in here? Yeah. Um, yes, I have struggled with mental health challenges throughout my life. Um, as a, as a teenager, probably around age 14 or so, um, just, you know, through the pressures of being a teenager and kind of trying to figure out where do I fit in this world? And, you know, what do I have to offer this world? Um, just kind of really started struggling with my own sense of, uh, personal self-value, um, and ultimately various struggles kind of Mm -hmm. culminated in an eating disorder. Um, and, uh, and then a long battle with depression and, and anxiety over the years. And, And so this was, was rampant in my life for, for many years. Um, and ultimately, you know, the, the journey for me of, of healing and recovery, um, 
came many years later. Um, and I mean, it is a journey. It's, it's not just something that happens overnight, yeah. but for me, it came when I came to a place of really being ready to surrender to God mm. um, and, and say to him like, Hey, like I, I've tried everything, you know, I've been in and out of the hospital, you know, different yeah. programs and facilities and counseling and all these things. And, you know, there's, there's always this little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but it never seems to culminate in anything really long lasting for me. And so coming to God and surrendering and just saying, I, I give up, you know, I've yeah. tried everything. If, if you want something to come <laughs> of my life, I'm going to need you to step in here and get involved. And so, mm. um, and he did, you know, he answered that, that desperate cry mm. and, um, began a long journey to overcoming, you know, not just the behavioral struggles, um, with the eating disorder, but yeah. the, uh, the underlying issues of mental health and depression and anxiety. And that's mm. been an ongoing journey. Um, but it has been one that God has been so faithful to me as I have walked that journey. Mm. And so as you, you, surrendered and you put your trust in God and saying, okay, I, I need your help. I can't do this alone. What are some of those uh, underlying issues that of, of mental health that he started to, to work on and that you switched from believing a lie to believing his truth uh, for your life? Well, I love the way you put that um, because that's really what it was for me was there were, I, there were so many lies that mm. I was believing and that were controlling my life. And actually somebody uh, had a very meaningful conversation with me early on. And that conversation actually sparked a lot of the uh, movement in terms of my healing and my recovery. Mm. And what that person said was, you know, think of your life as though it's a fishbowl. It's an empty fishbowl. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if you wanted to scoop the air, take the air out of the fishbowl, you'd have a really hard time just sticking your hand in and trying to scoop it out. Mm. Um, what you'd need to do is pour in water to displace the air. Um, yeah. And when you do that, the, the air is pushed out, it, yeah. it moves out and, and the water mm. takes its place. And he said, you know, that's really what the lies are like in your life. If you just mm. kind of try to take them away, um, it, try to scoop them out of your, of your heart, <laughs> out of your mind, it, nothing's going to happen. They're just going to flow right back in. Yeah. When you take the truth and you then pour that into your life, it will then displace the lies. And so I took that mm. to heart and, um, I really started to dig into what the Bible said and what God said is true about me. And because I was really struggling with those lies that said, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm, I'm a failure. You know, I, I'd grown up with a Christian faith and with Christian values. But as a teenager, as I started to struggle with all these different struggles, I started making all kinds of you know, uh, decisions that I, I didn't line up with what I believed yeah. was right. And so then, okay, now I'm a failure and now I feel like a failure. So now I'm going to make more bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And it was just this really messy cycle. And so I believed that about myself. I'm not yeah. good enough. I can't, I can never get out of this cycle. You know, I'm never going to be worthy of God's love. All of mm -hmm. these kinds of lies that, um, you know, really affected my, the way I saw myself, yeah. the way I saw the world. And so when I finally allowed God's truth to start pouring in, mm. it was only then that the lies started to slowly, slowly move outward and that truth started to take its place. Mm. So what were some of the practical things that you were able to do as you, you walked that journey uh, to help truth come into your life? Yeah, early on, as I was, I guess, in that process, um, it I think what actually was the most 
revolutionary for me was simply just studying God's word. Um, like I said, I grew up in the church, but yeah. I, I'd never like read the Bible. Like I didn't understand the big picture of the Bible. Yeah. I knew verses here and there. But um, so, so in those early days, as I was really starting to kind of double down on this idea of recovery, um, I started to, well, for me, eating an eating disorder was a big part of the picture. And so I started to read my Bible every time I ate a meal or mm. every time I ate, I ate anything. And so I would sit and I would just start to read. I started in the new Testament and I kind of just started to like learn who Jesus is, you know, like yeah. I, I knew the story, but it was, it was an opportunity for me to actually just like read step by step through the story of the gospel. And, um, and so I started doing that and I started journaling on what I was reading and what I was learning. And as I did that, I was, it was like, God was just giving me all this incredible revelation about who I am, who he is, you know, how I fit into the the picture of life. Mm. And, um, and it was just a really powerful thing. So definitely reading God's word, journaling mm. on his word was a practical thing that I did. Um, and uh, I guess just kind of, there were other things that I did at that time, there were, you know, different um, things that I needed to distance myself from. That mm -hmm. was another, pr I guess, practical thing that yeah. I did was looking at my life and figuring out, okay, what's, what are the things in my world that are healthy that I should continue, but what are the things that are maybe mm -hmm. not healthy for me? And that might be things that just yeah. simply weren't healthy for me in that mm -hmm. season that I could later go back to or whatever. Yep. Um, for example, I was at the time studying uh, technical theater at university mm -hmm. and that's a thing that a person can do and that can be great. But for me at that season, I just looked at it and recognized this isn't healthy for me in this season yeah. for whatever reason. Um, I need to distance myself from this world and maybe, and I ended up going to, to Bible school for a year or two. And, and that for me in that season was just a practical step that I could take that was mm. healthier for me going forward. Mm. As, as you, you've moved on uh, from that, uh, journey as you've been walking through that um, and the, I don't know, the busyness of life, um, uh, family, all sorts of things are, are happening. How have you started to create some healthy rhythms uh, in your life? Um, and what does it take to, to not only go through something like that, but actually sustain it for the long haul uh, and not have it be like, Hey, that was a great moment. Um, and I'm yeah. back to where I started. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's a, that's a really good question. And I feel, um, in a way I feel really humbled and honored that I can answer that question. Mm, yeah. Um, in the way that I can, because the story I've just told you happened over 10 years ago, you know, this yeah. is, this, ha there has been a long span of life that I've gotten to experience since going through that period of healing. And that is really a gift for me. I'm, I'm very, very grateful to mm. God, um, that he has allowed me to have the life that I've had since then. Um, and so what that has looked like for me, uh, over the years has just been, um, a consistent, constant walk with God. And, you know, I might sound, it might sound cliche, or I might sound like a broken record when I say this, but the most important thing in my life has been having that regular, consistent time, whatever you want to call it, quiet time, devotion yeah. time, that, that regular routine, consistent connection with God in my personal life. Um, that looks different in different seasons. Um, but the things that are really important to me that I, that I 
include in that in some way, shape or form is studying his word and spending time in prayer and then also connecting with other believers, which is interesting because, you know, at my worst, I, 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 I when, when I break it down, I'm, I'm totally a, an introvert at heart. I don't even really like <laughs> want to be around people, but God has really taught me yeah. the value, um, uh, of community and, mm. and being with other believers. And so that's yeah. another, I guess, discipline for me that mm. I have found important to include in my life. Um, and so, yeah, over time, just continuing that relationship and, and making space, prioritizing, mm. um, getting into the word, spending time in prayer, spending time with other like-minded um, believers. And um, and as I've done that, that has continued to allow my relationship with Jesus to grow over the years mm. to the point that I have not then, um, you know, I've not relapsed back into those very difficult yeah. times. Now I want to be, I want to be, I, I be honest and say that that doesn't mean I've never struggled with depression or I've never yeah. struggled with, um, anxiety ever since I have had seasons where that has been very, very heavy for yeah. me, even as I walk with Jesus. Um, so part of my journey has been learning, uh, how does, how does this fit together for me in my Christian walk? Um, and that's something that's ongoing. Um, but I certainly have, um, come through it to a point and continued to journey with Jesus, uh, in such a way that mm. my, that he has my trust even in those mm. dark times. Mm. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've, uh, I've felt that as we, we go through suffering, um, pains, if you go through those periods of depression, um, you know, Oftentimes, when people have struggled through that, uh, there is a sense of joy that comes at the at the other end of it, and a lot of times through the midst of it. Um, you know, I have people in my life that you know are they're older, they're wiser, they've been through through life, and they have joy in the midst of suffering. And I don't uh, really. I try to figure out how do you have joy in the midst of suffering. Um, one of the things that I, I really thought is that um, as we we go through life and we go through the ups and the downs, the the valley type of, of days and the mountain type of days, uh, we have found that, you know, Jesus has been faithful through it all. He's walked with us and I actually see that he's with me in everything. Um, and I know that withness and belonging um, brings a, a sense of, of joy in the middle of it. And so um, for you, during those times where you could trust God, the times of depression, that you could know that Jesus is faithful to be with you, um, did that, does that bring a sense of joy to you um, of that place of belonging that you belong to him? Or is it something else? for you? Yeah, I think, um, I think there is an element of that for me, something that brings me an, an immense, um, measure of joy is, um, remembering the end of the story, um, which mm. has nothing to do with life on this earth and has nothing yeah. to do with the struggles that I'm in, in this moment. And, um, different people are, are moved by different things in the, yep. you know, and for me, um, a, a huge thing is just looking ahead to what Jesus has in store for his mm. people as, as we come into glory, as we come into eternity. Um, I've written a little bit about 
that picture in my, in my book, Joy Like a Mountain. And for me, that is just so, so powerful. So um, that is one thing that I know that I can always cling to because yeah. it, it doesn't matter what's happening, like what my circumstances are, that picture never changes. Mm. And so that is something that I do. Um, fi- I can find joy in no matter what I'm going yeah. through um, in this life. But I think another thing that's important to say um, is that... Um, there's, there's joy as a response, you know, we experience Mm -hmm. in life joy as a response to joyous things that happen around us, things that make us happy, things that make us laugh and smile. So there's that joy, but then there's also joy as a responsibility. And as we look at the Mm. biblical picture of what joy really is, we need to start to understand that there's a responsibility on us as followers of Jesus to pursue joy. And Mm. the pursuit of joy is not necessarily the same as just feeling joy all the time. We're going to be in very, like you said, we're going to be in valleys. We're going to be in very hard times. And Jesus says this, he tell, yep. he warns us, Hey, like, it's not always going to be easy. We're going to be in those hard times. So then the question is, are we able to pursue joy as a responsibility, mm-hmm. as a spiritual discipline mm-hmm. in those, in those times um, of hardship? And I always think of it, um, David in the Psalms, uh, he, you know, he, David, (laughs) David went through some of the deepest, darkest depressions, you know, he went through some incredibly hard stuff. Um, And even in those times, he would say things like, and I will yet praise him. I will yet praise God. Um, And it was like, he was telling his spirit and telling Mm. his soul, you know, I like everything around me is going crazy. My life is, is going crazy right now, but I am going to, I'm telling myself, I'm reminding myself, I'm going to praise God. Like I'm Mm -hmm. going to pursue what I know is right, even in the midst of this hardship. And that's really what the pursuit of joy is like Mm. in times of suffering is that um, resolve to say, no, yeah, like I, I know my world is, is, is so hard right now. It's so difficult. And yet I know Mm. the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I will yet praise him. I will yet live in his joy, Mm. even in the midst of this. Yeah. It's, it's really, I think it's really easier to make a a choice to pursue joy when you are holding on to the anchor of hope for you. It's, you know, the end of the story of what it looks like uh, when we see the consummation and we see like wholeness and health and beauty and with Jesus worshiping him forever. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of, that gives you hope, and that is an anchor. Um, what? How? How does? How do you hold on to an anchor through all of those? I think David was trying to do that as well. Like, hey, I have the stake in the ground that I'm going to to say this is it, and then I'm going to pursue mm-hmm. joy in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't necessarily know the answer to that question for every person. I think. Um, we find those things that, you know, where God reveals something powerful to us and we cling to those truths. And mm-hmm. I, again, like I said, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but for <laughs> me in my life, that has been um, not just like, no, like knowing about God, but knowing God, mm. reading his word and allowing his word to then penetrate my heart, penetrate my life so much that I then have those scriptures that I know, Mm. like, I know this is truth because, you know, 
God says this and I remember it. So I actually have to do the work to be able to remember it. Mm. You know, that doesn't just happen, but if we don't, you know, if we don't allow that to, to wash over our lives, it can't really be a stake in the ground for us. But it was the same with David. He knew what yeah. God said and he knew who God was. And so, um, I, I, I really think that's a, a critical part of the puzzle. Mm. So then how does that, uh, that, that knowing who God is in the midst of, of life, how does that shift our posture uh, towards other people? And how do we move in community? And what difference does the joy that we have in our, in our lives because of knowing who God is have on the, the community around us and the people around us? Well, I think it makes an incredible difference because, I mean, you mentioned at, at the beginning of this podcast that we are living in a world that is just like ins- insanely ridden with mental health and challenges and yeah. people are anxious and people are depressed. And, you know, we are living in this time of mental crisis. Mm-hmm. And if, even within the church, you know, um, even within the church, it's like the statistics around mental health are not really that different than outside of the church. Even within pastors, there's a, there was a study that was done where 23% of the pastors indicated that they had personally suffered from mm. some type of mental illness. Yeah. And I would guess that number is probably low because it's still taboo. Like within yeah. the church, it's probably hard for a pastor to admit that this mm-hmm. has been a, an issue. And so, you know, like we, we're in, that's the climate that we're living in. And so when we all of a sudden shift the culture of our lives to express joy or even to pursue joy um, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of this crazy world that we're living in, you know, like COVID and war and all of these Mm. things that we've been living through, um, when we are when we are taking that posture of first of all i'm trusting god and then because i trust god i can find joy um in his promises in his word when we do that all of a sudden that stands out to the world around us because it's it's almost an anomaly when somebody is is living a joyous experience in this hard world um and so it really does impact the world around us because i think it's noticeable I, it's it is very noticeable. We actually see something totally different uh, than what the culture around us is is, is prevailing. What does it look like? Um, and so it's actually walking in into that space is really helpful. Um, you know, one of the things for me that's helpful as I'm interacting with others and community is the joy that happens between me and and my son. Uh, I have a four-year-old son, and uh, he brings me uh, an immense amount of joy, um, and he brings others an immense amount of joy. And so my, my hope and my prayer is that I could cultivate joy within him as well, so that as we walk together, uh, that others can can sense it and feel it and know it and want to pursue that type of joy as well. You know, in your work, as you, you've worked with, with families and children, um, how do we start to help children cultivate joy? And how do children help us cultivate joy in our lives? Great questions. Um, I... <laughs> in my in my own experience um i have taken sort of the 
um, posture of, if I am going to teach my children to cultivate joy, then they better see me doing it in mm. my life. And yeah. so I think that to be honest, as, uh, as a generation of parents raising up children, we have a responsibility to them to, to cultivate that culture of joy within our lives and within the church. And the reason I say it like that is because I actually think there's a lot at stake. I think there's a lot on the line. Um, in Romans 5, it talks about how when we we rejoice in our sufferings because mm -hmm. uh, suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. And, yeah. and I think about it this way. If, if we are what happens if we are then not pursuing the discipline of, of rejoicing, even in sufferings, yeah. does that then mean we could be experiencing a decline in endurance and character and hope? Like these are three critical qualities that yeah. we need to navigate through the hardships of life that our kids need to be able to grow up in this in this world that we're living in and mm. where there are so many different challenges yep. um, that they're going to face as they grow up. And so uh, I, I actually feel like it's a crisis if we are not, mm. if we are not developing that culture of joy, because then we're not, we're not going to be seeing people growing in these three critical mm. ways in our spiritual growth, in our personal growth. And so, um, yeah, I think that we need to model that we need to actually implement the practice and the pursuit of intentional mm. joy in our lives yeah. so that our kids can then see it. Another thing that I think is really important with kids as they are growing um, is understanding that as much as we need to be in pursuit of joy, we can't force joy on yeah. them. They they are developing all the time and we, we can't expect them to have the same developmental capacity as we do as adults. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, we're modeling that for them, but then we're also gently walking alongside them mm. in their emotions as they're developing in their emotions, you know, yeah. and giving them space to actually feel and experience the emotions that they have and then modeling to them what mm. it looks like, you know, what does mommy do? What do I do when, when I'm having this really hard time and these really big feelings? How do I then respond to that in a way that says, I trust God and I'm pursuing joy? Um, mm. And again, like I can't force, I can't shove that down my kid's throat, right. um, but I can model it. And I, and I also can create a safe space for her to feel the big feelings that she has mm. where, because otherwise what could happen is then she's just going to learn over time to stuff those feelings down right. and not to give them a voice and not to acknowledge them. And she won't, and, and that will, that will make it even harder for her later in life <laughs> to experience and pursue the joy of the Lord. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to, um, you know, ultimately model to her what God offers to me, which is gentleness, patience, mm -hmm. love, kindness. Um, and so as we take the fruit of the spirit that God yep. wants to put into our lives and we express that to our kids, it creates a safe place to experiment with joy as mm -hmm. a response and as a responsibility. Yeah. So as as we're interacting with our kids and walking alongside as they're they're developing and growing, um, what is that that what is the line for you that you have found in identifying helping them identifying emotions and then sharing our own emotions and our process through our emotions and reliance on God through the the hardship um, you know even in ad adult situations uh, 
a lot of times oversharing is not uh, not great because people are trying to get something from the other person when they're they're oversharing. But I know that that vulnerability is is really key to build trust uh, with another. What is that balance uh, with kids as we're navigating emotions and, mm-hmm. and moving forward through them? You know, I think, yeah, that's a great question and it's an important one. And, you know, I have to, you know, not everybody listening to this podcast is like an experienced children's communicator. And so it's hard, (laughs) you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to do that. Um, I think keeping it simple and keeping it short is always a good, um, is maybe a good like indicator, you know, um, when it comes to sharing personal stories, I think what's important for kids is to know that they're not alone. You know, they're not the only person who's ever felt this way, this big feeling, you know, I think they just need to know, okay, somebody can identify with me and I'm not like, I'm not a monster because I'm screaming right now, you know, like they just need to know, Hey, you know what? When I was five, I remember having this experience where Mm. I had these big feelings and, you know, like I think kids just need um, to to know that they're safe and that they're loved regardless of their behavior. And that's mm-hmm. really important because I think sometimes as parents, we can get so frustrated and then our, our frustrations come out on mm-hmm. them in a way that makes them question like, am I safe and am I loved in this moment? Yeah. And so I think they need, they need to be, they need to be reassured you're mm-hmm. safe and you're loved this behavior might not be uh, what we're looking for in this moment, but you're safe and you're loved. Um, and you're not alone. I'm not, mm. you're not alone because I'm not leaving you alone with your big feelings, but also you're not alone because you're not the only person who's ever felt this way. Mm. You know, in fact, let's look at the Bible, look at David, he felt this way and yeah. he's, you know, and so, um, yeah. And, and that sounds all really great. Like, Hey, go and have this conversation with your kid. If your kid is anything like my kid, she is very intolerant of having conversations about feelings. It's very challenging <laughs> to have yeah. these kind of conversations. So yeah. also pick your moments and give mm. yourself grace if it doesn't go really well, because sometimes <laughs> kids are just like, Nope, don't want to talk about it. And that's okay too. Remember yeah. that it comes down to modeling and also your, your response is really important. And yeah. are, is your response creative? creating a safe place where they can, you know, like God is our loving father where he can handle our mess. And so are we going to model that to our kids? Can we handle their mess? Mm. Yeah. And it seems like uh, a lot of our, our dealings uh, as adults with one another is the, the feeling of I am unsafe. Um, I am not loved in this situation. And yeah, I am alone in this situation. Um, and it's us trying to figure out how do we actually get back to being like children and knowing that God has us, that we are safe, we are loved, um, and we're not alone. We're with one another. Um, mm-hmm. So as we're you, know, we're walking as adults through these these types of things, um, through some of these traumas of of early childhood that we bring with us. How is that process, what's that process like to get to the, the other side so that we could be with, with God into a, a better emotional state than I think a lot of adults are? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, great. Another great question. And, you know, I don't know if I'm the expert on this. Um, some things that have been important for me in terms of walking that journey, um, has been, Hey, being willing to actually get, get help. Um, you know, are, are there things in your world that you would benefit from 
speaking to a counselor? Probably. I, <laughs> I personally think most of us could benefit from that. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, and so, you know, just like kind of calling a spade a spade and saying, Hey, you know what? I need some help and it's yeah. okay to get help. Um, and then also, you know, taking actual, taking intentional time to process through that stuff, um, mm. spending time, you know, with God in prayer, reflecting on, on those things and working through those things, whether that's, you know, in a small group setting, it, you know, with your spouse or even just on your, on your own. Um, for me, personal reflection is a really powerful tool mm. that yeah. I have used for many, many years. And that has been really, really powerful for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, ultimately, um, Ultimately, I think it is a work that God does in us. There are all these things that we can do, but then we also have to be surrendered to God in the process of healing um, and remembering that, you know what, some miraculous healings do happen in an instant, but also some very miraculous healings happen over time. Yep. And I believe that that was the case for me with my eating disorder. To me, it was totally a miracle that I came out of that after mm -hmm. seven years of battling with that, you know, demon in my life. And, and it, it happened over time, but it was no less of a miracle. And so giving mm. ourselves time and space. Nice. Uh, that's good. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I would love to to figure out the the space of um, as we're we're in uh, in our communities and our families and our lives. What does it it actually mean to embody Jesus? Um, to start to be be like him uh, in the world that we live in? Um, and what are some steps to get to the, the space of being more like Jesus in our lives? Yeah. Can, am I, can I continue to be a broken record? Like, I mean, we can't be like Jesus if we don't know what Jesus is like. So we, mm -hmm. we need to constantly be allowing our hearts and our minds to be filled with the things of who he is and to be filled with his word and his truth. Um, you know, I think it, it's hard in today's culture where there are just so many distractions and so many things to capture our attention, uh, social media and, mm -hmm. and, you know, like movies and TV and all this stuff that is just constantly filling us. And I don't know about you, but something that I feel on a regular basis is just like information overload to the point that I become extremely anxious yeah. because there's just so many things coming into my mind all the yeah. time as I'm scrolling my social feeds. Like it takes me like a minute of scrolling my social feeds to feel like completely overwhelmed yeah. with anxiety, with everything that's happening in the world and all the different opinions that everybody is sharing and it's all, you know, I can access it so quickly. Um, and I think that does not create a very um, spacious culture or, you know, yeah. like climate for us to really experience that work of sanctification in our lives, mm -hmm. that work of becoming more like Jesus, because as this information is just filling our <laughs> brains and overflowing in our, in our bodies and in our lives, like so much that our bodies feel it, right? Like it yeah. comes out in physical uh, expressions of anxiety. Um, it, it's very difficult uh, to, to become more like Jesus as we don't, we just don't have the capacity to like work on things or, you know, um, so I think we need to set some really clear boundaries for ourselves. And that's a 
very hard to do in this day and age. And I say that as someone who this very week has been struggling with that, mm -hmm. you know, like recognizing, okay, th these are some places where I'm really struggling to like allow that work to be happening, to allow that, you know, uh, work of sanctification to be happening in my life because yeah. I'm just not, not creating space for it, or I'm not you know, removing the things that are getting in the way. Um, mm. And I can identify them and I, you know, I can see what I need to do. I'm just not doing it. Right. So, and I think that's something that we, we struggle with um, yeah. and probably throughout history that has been the case for believers who are trying to follow Jesus. But, you know, I think it's making some hard calls and sometimes that's like, you know, cutting it, cutting that thing off. Right. When Jesus talks about, it'd be better for you to go, you know, go into eternity without a hand, <laughs> like just chop it off yeah. and rather than, you know, have all your limbs and, and go into hell. Like, I, I think, um, I think we need to remember, Hey, like there are some things that are getting in the way, Yeah. whether that's social media or whether that's this or that, you know, there's some things that are getting in the way that are making it challenging mm. for us to make those moves, uh, that we need to make. So what does the boundary look mm. like for me yeah. in this season? And it's not always the same. It's not going to be the same for everybody. It's not going to be the same for every season, but we have to be willing to have those honest conversations with ourselves yeah. and actually call it what it is, and then take those steps. Mm. Um, and so those steps, like I said, could look different, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm in, in Kansas City now, but I, you know, grew up in the Seattle area and I love uh, going outdoors and, and hiking, uh, mm -hmm. being in nature. Um, one of my first uh, dates with my, with my now wife, um, uh, she, while we were, we were talking, she, I found out that she really wanted to go on a hot air balloon ride. And so when I first came to visit Kansas City to see her, I set it up um, and then the weather didn't work out. But then I went up and we had a wedding to go to uh, about a, a month and a half later, uh, just outside of Vancouver. Um, and then so we got a hot air balloon ride in July in Langley. Um, and it was uh, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place uh, up there. Um, and so I love that that area. I love the mountains and, and being able to get out in nature and to hike. Um, what are some so that's for me, that's a boundary line where I'm going to take some time away and I'm going to be mm -hmm. in nature. I'm going to be in creation um, and enjoy God's creation. Um, and it's really helpful. I could not I don't have to have my phone uh, on um, and there's things. What's what are some of the things for you that helps create some space and gives you boundaries uh, to move forward? Yeah. I mean, it's tough in the season when you have small kids. I've got a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And so you kind of feel like you are always on the go and there's not yeah. a boundary. There, there aren't boundaries with, with yeah. small kids. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know what? For me, like, and everybody is different. Some of the things that are so, so important for me are um, having time to um, – to journal. Um, journaling has been a really, really mm. important thing for me. And and I also love doing that outside in nature. I'm from yeah. Langley, by the way. I live in Langley. So that's <laughs> nice. a cool story to hear. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I like being outside and kind of just connecting to God in the world that he created. Um, so that's that's a good one for me. Um, mm. and and having and having time. I, like I said earlier, I'm an introvert, yeah. and so um, I need to have time alone. Some people totally mm -hmm. recharge with other people, not me. I need time alone to reflect on you know my 
experience, but also reflect on um, God's mm. word and um, how that it, how that intersects with my life. Um, wow. And so those are some of the things that are are just really really important for me. And then you know on a on a kind of uh, on another level, also creating space for my family to have time together that is sort of like yeah. what you said, like we don't have to have our phones on. We can just be together. We can just um, enjoy each other without the pressure of this is the next thing that we need yeah. to be ready to go and do. I'm also yeah. very task task focused. <laughs> so I can be so like, I'm thinking about the next thing all the time. And what, what does the schedule say? And yeah. sometimes I just need to, my boundary has to be that, no, there's nothing else after this. Like I'm just in this moment mm -hmm. um, and enjoying what God has allowed me to have in this moment. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's another one. Wow. I, I love being able to enjoy the beauty of the moment, um, especially mm -hmm. when like there is always something next. Like my wife and I both are very future oriented um, and we're very like achiever based. Like, let's go, mm -hmm. go, go. Um, and we have to figure out how to slow down and enjoy the moment together. And it actually it does. It takes that work to remind us uh, and remind ourselves Hey, this is what it, it actually looks like to sit and enjoy the moment and be thankful yeah. to God. Um, you know, what what role is uh, is gratitude and thankfulness played uh, as you've you've walked this journey? Yeah, it's it's played a significant role. Gratitude is so important when it comes to that pursuit of joy that we talked about Um I just, I think it's, it's like something that God has given us and even he's, he actually even like trains, you know, in the old Testament, the Israelites, it's like, he's just training the Israelites in gratitude um, yeah. as you know, he's gives these, these commandments, you know, and these things, it's like, he's trying to train them to remember and to be thankful. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we need to train ourselves to do too. And so that's a, that's again, kind of like a discipline, you know, that could have been in the list of things that I do to create that space, yeah. you know, um, is taking time to just reflect on what I'm grateful for. Um, and you know, whether that is, okay, I'm going to list out 10 things about who God is about God's character that I'm so yeah. thankful for the ways that those things have impacted me, or that's just taking time to list out 10 things that are just in my life that I'm grateful mm -hmm. for. Um, gratitude has played a, an important role in my journey. And I think it's an important tool when it comes to mm -hmm. cultivating joy. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's helped in the in the gratitude arena helped in, in my life uh, to to cultivate joy is to have uh, moments of joy that I I have visually that I remember mm. uh, in in my life, so that I could actually go in my mind to those moments. Um, and as I start started to build those moments up, and knowing that they're there, that it could actually ground me in the midst of, of something. It's easier for me to go back to them um, and remember, oh, yes, that moment. Um, you know, there's okay. this, you know, there's this time. I remember when we were living in Jordan and with our, our team in Jordan, we went and had a retreat um, and we spent uh, we got up really early in the morning um, and we went up to an old castle um, and we and we kind of broke into the old castle um, and we got up high and watched the sun rise over the city. Um, hmm. 
And that moment to be that I go back to that quite often, that that moment with those people um, and with a a city uh, that I love and a people that I love, the sun was mm-hmm. rising above them, was a moment of th- gratitude that I go back to that actually starts to help ground me um, when I'm feeling anxious um, and I'm feeling like I'm unstable. I actually am able to go back to that memory. Hmm. That's powerful. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of questions. This has been uh, the fantastic around mm. joy and children. Um, it's been fun. Um, but a couple of questions to the end. One is if you could go back to your 21-year-old self uh, mm. now, what would advice would you give? What a great question. Um, I think I... Uh, I think I would, I I don't know so much if it would be advice, but I think it would be kind of what I was talking about a little bit earlier when it comes to like what kids need in those moments. I Mm. think it would be more just like, hey, I see you, Mm. you're not alone. And, you know, Mm. gosh, I could go on and on, but I think, I think it would just be that there would be, it would be more of a feeling that that 21 year old needed. That's like, you're seen. You're not alone. You are loved by the God who created you yeah. and he sees you. Mm-hmm. He is the God who sees you. And um, I think it would be more of a reassurance. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. And I, I hope others can can hear that as well, that as you're walking this journey, that uh, there is a God that sees and sees mm-hmm. you and you're not alone. Um, yeah, because, anyth- you know, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, like for me, a struggle has always been like, what do I need to do? And the the idea of what what advice would I give? It it makes it seem like there's just this big thing that you Mm. need to do to get through this. Um, But I think sometimes what we need is to just Mm. know it's no, it's not what you're going to need to do. It's that you're loved and you're seen and there's somebody who's doing something in you. And uh, I think there are probably a lot of people who need to know that. That's so good. I love that. Uh, anything you've been reading or watching lately you could recommend? Um, you know, this has not been a really <laughs> big reading season for me. Why? Um, you have oh, a one and a half year old? Like what? what? Yeah. <laughs> I've been... I. I I have been trying to ke- to keep up to my Bible reading plan, so I can Perfect. recommend the Bible. I yes. can recommend the Bible right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, anything in the in in Scripture right now that's uh, that you resonate with that has been helpful for you? Yeah, something that has been um, on my heart a lot lately, and partly because I've um, spoken on this topic a few times recently, but just. Uh, when it comes to those portions of scripture that we struggle with because they sound condemning, <laughs> when, what, the things yeah. that Jesus mm-hmm. says that sound condemning or the things that we read in, in scripture that sound condemning, um, sometimes I think it's so important that we t- turn off that voice of self-condemnation so that we can mm. listen for what Jesus is actually saying or what mm. God is actually telling us. And um, some of those, so, for example... Yeah. When Jesus says, do not worry. Okay. <laughs> I'm a worrier. <laughs> yeah. I am, I am, 
I am an expert worrier. And when I hear Jesus say, do not worry, I immediately feel like a failure. And so it's taking time to, you know, sit, um, sit with those uncomfortable portions of scripture, like do not worry, do not be anxious about anything, you know, rejoice always. These are uncomfortable things for a person like me to Mm, read because I struggle (laughs) with those things. Am I a failure? Does God hate me because Mm. I can't do this? Um, But like sitting with them long enough and listening to what he is really saying to the point that now I can understand that when Jesus says, do not worry, this isn't so Mm. much a statement about me but it's a statement about who he is. And he's not saying, hey, don't worry because you're capable of not worrying. He's saying, don't worry because I'm capable of being Mm. enough for you. And and so just like as Mm. a parent, I would hold my child and I would say, it's okay, don't worry. I've got you. You Mm. know, I know what my kids need. Jesus knows what I need. And he can remind me that, hey, I've got you. Mm. You don't need to worry. And so, um, that those things have been on my heart and my mind a, a lot recently. And mm. um, yeah, just kind of getting beneath the uncomfortable to hear what, you know, to, to not hear so much what I, what I think it's saying, but yeah. what he's actually saying. Yeah. That's great. Um, where can people uh, find you um, and anything you want to point people to? Yeah, um, I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have been trying to pull back from those a little bit, so you'll see you'll see me there sometimes, but not as consistently as maybe you, you might have a few <laughs> months or years ago. Um, but I am there, and I'd love to connect with you on either of those platforms. Um, you can also find me at talisigera.com. That's uh, that's a mouthful. My name is a difficult <laughs> one to remember or to guess how to spell. So I maybe it'll be linked in the show notes or yep, something. I don't it know. Will be. <laughs> um, but uh, you can find me on my website. Um, and uh, also on Amazon, my book, Joy Like a Mountain, is available on Amazon, Audible. Um, and uh, I also have a, a seven-day joy challenge. So if mm. this is something that you are looking to um, you know, pursue in your life. If this is something you like to work on, you need a little help with, you need a little boost. I've got a seven day joy challenge. That is just a really, um, simple seven days, a daily devotional and application activity that is designed to help you implement that pursuit of joy in your life. So that's also available through my website. Yeah, I I highly recommend take that seven day joy challenge uh, because we all need uh, joy in our life and a lot more joy in our life. And we want to pursue that um, and go get Joy Like a Mountain, uh, the book, read it um, and pursue joy uh, in your life. And so, Talisi, thank you so much for uh, for this time that we could start to help us pursue joy in our lives to cultivate that joy so that we can start to implement that and we can start to look a little bit more like Jesus. Uh, so thank you so much. It was a pleasure yeah. to talk to you. Thanks for having me. It's been a, it's, it's been a joy. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. 
If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, uh, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show. And just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.